Hey, welcome to the Grabbing the Brisket podcast. Hey, this is James. We appreciate you guys tuning in. This is a uh, on-the-road edition of Grabbing the Brisket podcast. We are lucky and, and blessed and fortunate enough to be invited out to Mimsy's Craft Barbecue in Crawford, Crockett, Texas. Crockett, not Crawford. Crawford. <laughs> I was like, where the hell am I? Uh, yeah, Crockett, Texas. Uh, congratulations on the, the top 50 with the Texas Monthly Barbecue Joints. Thank you so much. Yeah, and hey, welcome in our guest, our pit master, owner, operator, CEO um, of Mimsy's Craft Barbecue, uh, Wade Elkins. Thank you very much. Just a small part, you know, small cog in the wheel. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so how long? And, and I know we can look all this stuff, but it's just better when you tell us. Um, how long? You've got a, a background in, in barbecue and whatever else, but how long have you been operating uh, Mimsy's? craft barbecue we opened december 2020 a soft opening uh december 18th and we did a couple of weeks of soft opening and right around mid-november uh was our official grand opening okay of 2020 yeah oh wow so just a little over a year so just your first year in and and you got the you got the yeah recognized we got recognized yeah how does that feel uh, you know, it was a goal. It was a goal going in. Obviously, I'm not going to you know lie about that. It was a goal Definitely. going in, and uh, it felt great. Uh, the first time that I got wind that we were going to be on the list, um, you know, I pretty much cried. You know, because it was <laughs> all that hard work was yeah. know, came to fruition, and it finally paid off. Right. And then, uh, like literally two seconds later, it melted away and turned into complete fear because now we have to live up to the to that height. You, know, you feel like you have to get it every single year now? Well, felt like every single day that we're open, we have <laughs> to live up to that top 50 list. And then you're right. When four years rolls around, we want to, you know, we want to, we want to be number one. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, is know, that, is that a blind type, um, deal where they come to your restaurant and try your food? Or is this something that, you know, that they're coming out? Uh, do they give you a heads up? So, <clears throat> on the initial on the initial visit where, where when Daniel or, or DV Daniel Vaughn when DV shows up he's not gonna let you know uh, but we all pretty much know what he looks like mm-hmm. and so it's hard for him just to kind of you know slide into a, a barbecue restaurant and, right and nobody know who he is and I'm sure he does it all the time um, but there's it's probably 50 50 for him but we knew who we know who he is as soon as he walks in the door but there's no heads up um, yeah. He actually came twice the day that he came to visit us. We were open for breakfast during that time. So he was headed somewhere else uh, out in uh, uh, Trinity. And he was like, all right, I'm going to come here first for breakfast. And he's like, I'm coming back for lunch. So we actually did get a pseudo heads up that day that he was coming back for lunch. And so the rest of that morning was just like adrenaline rush. Just you know? grinding, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is, so. What is the temperature? <laughs> Bullet. <laughs> Glaze it. Let's go. Right? Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I guess that was your first uh, good sign is that he came for breakfast and decided he wanted to come back. Like, it yeah. wasn't like he's like, nah, I'm good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how many people can say that Daniel Bond's in the restaurant twice in one day. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something right. Well, you know, I, I, I would agree with you, you know, uh, and it's very smart that, that, that you, you said what you said earlier is like, you know, you know, I was so happy. You know, you, you were so happy that you're like, man, it almost made you cry or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the, the panic and right. and and the it just sets in a little bit and you're like now we have to live live up to this every single day right because right. everybody's going to come in and go top 50 oh well it didn't taste like top 50 right exactly and so you're like no i gotta prove it 
every single day, right? You can prove the reason why you're on that list. And I love that. And that, that's what keeps that's what gets people from top 50 to top 10 right. to number one, right? Right. I mean, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that spend five years, six years, 10 years open. They don't get on the list. So doing it your first, really your year and a little bit in business, that is... That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Right? If, you, if you really think about it. And I know that you and your wife both have a, a background in, in culinary, cooking, and whatever else. Uh, but that is, that's pretty freaking cool. It doesn't happen like that. So, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the beginnings because I'm sure a lot of people that are listening uh, would probably like to know that. How did you get into the, the whole barbecue game? Uh, so growing up as a kid, you know, the dad barbecue pit in the backyard. Uh, learned a lot from him. He was part of the Houston uh, Livestock Show and Rodeo uh, cook-off uh, in the 70s and stuff like that. Okay. So he kind of passed on that, that, that love of barbecue as a kid. Um, and then around 2013, 2014, um, I started cooking again in my, you know, in my house for the family. Um, you know, just watching YouTube videos and just, mm-hmm. you know, teaching myself how to, you know, how to do some stuff. Building off of what, you know, I remember from cooking with my dad and uh around 2000 late 2016 to you know early 2017 uh, i really i realized that i had a talent you know cooking barbecue um so we did a competition we didn't do too well in the competition um but we signed up for it we did okay we got a call in a couple of categories yeah um and at that point we pretty much had all the equipment we needed to do like a catering or an event for something like that so there was a uh, there was a charity golf tournament, and they were looking for somebody to cook barbecue. It was in my hometown, and uh, I reached out to them. I said, "Hey, if y'all just provide the food, I'll you know I'll I'll cook the barbecue." And uh, from that event, I got another job, which was like a, a fishing tournament in Port O'Connor for 300 people for two nights. It was like a twelve thousand dollar job, and she was like, "Hey, just send me a bid for this job." And I sent her the bid for twelve grand, and she's like, "Okay, it's yours." And we were like. Whoa! Whoa like, are this you was, serious? This is like our second event ever. We yeah. did one golf tournament now, and so that's sort of catapulted us into uh, my catering concept, which was my yard reaction barbecue. Because I started cooking barbecue in my backyard. Um, and if you're not familiar with my yard reaction, my yard reaction oh, yeah. is the uh, uh, the scientist that discovered how flavors made. It's uh, and his name was Dr. My Yard. Uh, and that's like that's like the combination, not combination, but that's that's the when the meat hits or, or car- not caramelizes. That's the wrong word, but the, when the meat starts browning. Right. Well, any, it could be toast, it could to- be bread, it could be anything. Yeah. Okay. So it's when the amino acids are heated up to a certain point to where they you get the browning effect, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that you know, on a steak, that caramelized crust is is a Maillard reaction. On a piece of toast, when you, when you brown that, that's Maillard reaction. So that's what creates flavor. And so cooking, and that's spelled M-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. Um, so cooking and learning and researching and teaching myself about barbecue, I learned about the Maillard reaction. I was cooking barbecue in my backyard, so I was like, that's a perfect name. That's Maillard. a great pun. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. So we started Maillard Reaction Catering Company. Um, in our first year, we got invited to the Houston Barbecue Throwdown, and we were doing uh, festivals in our first year. We were doing catering events, and we carried that for about almost two years. Um, then went to work for Fijis Barbecue. Um, they opened up in Greenway Plaza in, in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were uh, awarded top 25 best new barbecue joint right after, you know, shortly after I was there. Uh, spent a year there. 
went to Revly Barbecue in Magnolia, back to my hometown, which was a great opportunity, and, and was with them for about two years. And then that's when Mimsy's, uh, the opportunity to open up Mimsy's came came about. Where does so, it, where does the name Mimsy's come from? Uh, Mimsy's is my great grandmother. Okay. Uh, so Mimsy, uh, all of all of the grandkids and all the kids in, in the family called her Mimsy uh, as her like you know her her grandmother name. So Love she that. moved to Crockett in the uh, early fifties. And that's sort of the rest of the family sort of follow. See, and I was going to, I we're on the way up here. I asked the question. I was like, which one of them has family that's from Crockett? Right. It's right. <laughs> it has to be. It's my mom's yeah. side. Yeah. Mom's, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And so, you know, and to, to our roots, you know, go back a little, not, not go back further, but are a little bit deeper with my grandpa who had the, the barbershop on the town square since 84. And uh, a barber in a small town is like, you know, that's, that's, that's right. the, you know, you yeah. know everybody, you talk to everybody, and you, mm-hmm. make, you know, you make friends and friendships and relationships. So us coming to, to, to Crockett was like, oh, you're Jack Milne's son, the barber, you know, or grandson. Um, you know, we kind of had those, those family connections. Those roots. Yeah, those yeah. roots. And yeah. also with that being said, Crockett's a very tight-knit community. And, you know, a lot of, I may get in trouble for saying this, but if you're not born in Crockett, and you move to Crockett, you may be considered. You may always be considered an outsider. An outsider. Oh yeah. You're like yes. somebody that that's not from Texas that moves to Texas. Right. You'll yeah. never be a Texan. You'll yeah. never be a Texan. Like as I much hate as those you, people. They're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> especially when they come from California and and. Yeah. I was gonna say Alaska, but they're pretty cool people. Yeah. <laughs> so James and I are from a really small town in Texas, mm-hmm. about 600 people, right? So I I know what small town growing up a small town and it is whatever else and then you're uh from marshall it's about twenty five thousand, so it's it's pretty small yeah it's it's twenty five thousand, which is it's actually pretty big but on a scale of like what is what is like league city or something one of those is like 30 or forty thousand. Right? Pearland's like i looked it up today it's 120 000. oh wow. okay yeah it's a small town <laughs> yeah yeah so we're five fifty five hundred in crockett fifty five hundred here yeah nice almost six thousand Nice. Did you used to live in Spring? Uh, lived in Spring for a while. So grew up uh, uh, in Magnolia. Uh, my wife and I graduated high school in 2003 in Magnolia. Um, so we moved to Houston. She went to the Art Institute of Houston Culinary Arts out there. Um, got her degree in culinary arts. So we've been in... University of Houston. Go Cougs. University of... Uh, I'm sorry. Art Institute of Houston. I, I didn't mean to say university. Art Institute of Houston. Wait, yeah, that's, two that's two different that's things. That's two different things. That's two different things. I said university. I stand right. corrected. Yeah, so do I. No uh, poops. <laughs> <laughs> Down, Karen. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, so we, we've lived we've lived in Spring, we've lived in Houston, uh, but we're from Magnolia. And then um, when I was working at Fiji's Barbecue, I was actually living in Spring, driving to, to Greenway Plaza every day, and that was... That was a headache. That's rough. You know, yeah. four o'clock in the morning. Nobody on the road, but it's like it's a it's a grind. It's a grind. Yeah. Especially when you when you in I mean in Houston in this area in general, I mean if you're doing barbecue, if you're outside doing uh, not even just barbecue, but you're just doing work outside. I mean it's in the I don't I don't, I don't know if there's that I mean, right now is like beginning summer. Yeah. Like it starts warming up, but it's it goes from this to kind of nice to a hundred degrees, right? And having to to slave over a uh, a wood fire pit 
at 100 degrees shoveling coals moving stuff i mean that becomes that's challenging i mean we've done cook-offs and and you've been a part of cook-offs and but just cooking here and generally uh when you when you do something like that it drains you right but then you got to get up and do it all over the next day again right yeah Mm. do it 60 hours a week and it's like i mean it's it's and the one of the cool things about Fijis is it actually i didn't that wasn't too hard uh being outside because it was in a food court underground it was in a uh, greenway plaza it was it was a pretty easy as far as that goes you know the elements and stuff you didn't have to worry about it um but just you know driving in traffic on the way back yeah an hour or two and from you know work every day that's that's what i was talking about was was the grind part living in spring and driving driving Houston. right but no you know, out here, this so this pit room right here, it didn't have the uh, the screen on the front. It was walled in all the way around, and so we did our first summer like that, and it was brutal. It was 150 degrees in there uh, for you know three, four months. Yeah, it was You're like suffocating. And so when we got the new pit, uh, we had to uh, we had to take it. We had to take the wall down and to to be able to bring the pit in. And so I was like, all right, we're gonna screen it in. We're not doing the the completely closed pit room anymore. Yeah. Um, can, I, can, I, yeah. Can you talk about your pits and what you're cooking? I was about on? to say I didn't get a chance to, to see it, but I saw a, like a metal little plaque on the wall that said Evie May. Yes. Yeah. So, so Evie May's, uh, if you're not familiar, they're uh, they're they're a top 50 in 2000, uh, 2017, and now they're top 10 on the Texas monthly list. They're a barbecue restaurant in Lubbock, Texas. Evie May's Barbecue, and the owner Arnest Robbins is also a. a, a uh, a pit builder. He he welds and manufactures these these pits, and they build most of their own pits. Um, so he has the he builds the offset style. I'm sorry, a reverse flow style pit. So when I cooked at Revely Barbecue, they had a 500 gallon uh, uh, reverse flow from Evie Mays. And I, when they asked me to come on, I'm gonna be completely honest, and and Arnest is gonna laugh about this. When they asked me to come on to Revly, I go, yeah, I'll come on to Revly, but you gotta get rid of that reverse flow uh, pit because I heard nothing but bad things right. about reverse flows. And they're like, they're like, well, they're like, you're gonna fall in love with it, you know. Right. We we didn't like it at first, but you're you're really gonna like it. I was like, no, I want a Moberg. Like that's that's the deal. I'll come work with y'all if y'all get a Moberg, which is a you know is a stupid thing to say, but. Uh, I cooked on the Evie Maze 500 gallon for about a month, and I realized it right off the bat. It was one of the best pits I ever cooked on. You can literally cook from end to end with no issues. That's right. And uh, so whenever we opened up this place, I knew the artist had a couple of those 1,000-gallon uh, reverse flows sitting around. And so I reached out to him. I go, hey, um, you know, I, for one, there was no waiting list. Um, a lot of these builders have at least, you know, anywhere from six months to two years on, on standby to, to get a pit. Uh, and for two, I already had, and the second reason I already had, you know, a good year and a half, almost two years of cooking experience on that pit. So I knew I could, I, it was, for me, it was literally a plug and play. Yeah. I could get that thousand gallon dropped off and start cooking on it with no learning curve, like instantly. Um, so that's why we went with the Evie Maze to start off with. And within, like I said, we opened in December. And by November, we were doing a shit ton of catering that we probably shouldn't have been doing because we were, you know, so new um, just for the holidays. And I was cooking in 24-hour shifts, um, just, you know, two or three, I was, you know, cooking two or three rounds a day um, just to try to keep up. And so within the first couple of weeks, I was like, we're going to need another pit. And went and found the other one that we have, 1,000-gallon offset that we had built locally. 
Um, I found the propane tank on Facebook for 300 bucks in somebody's backyard. Went and picked it up, uh, drug it over to the guy's house that was gonna build it for us. Um, and over the past year, um, we got that one put together. And it's basically designed after a Moberg. I call it a Faubourg. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so it's my Faubourg offset. Right. Trademarked. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the EV Maze is the reverse Faubourg. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, some barbecue jugs for you. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so now I'm cooking on the I'm cooking on the offset. Uh, like you know, I was saying earlier, I'm cooking on offset more because it's new. I need to figure it out and so since we've had that for probably three months and i've i light that fire first every day before i light the eating maze pit um, and then the eating maze is more the auxiliary uh, pit for us right now and that's nothing against them um, i will say from using both styles of pits uh, there's a little bit more or there's a lot more upkeep and maintenance as far as cleaning on the reverse flow because you have that solid steel plate that goes all the way across the bottom yeah um, and then you have the, there's double racks on each door, um, so with that, there's you know the the um, the actual rails that the racks go in and out. So all that stuff takes a lot of uh, upkeep and maintenance to keep it to keep it clean. Um, so you know, I wanted I didn't want people go. Why didn't you get another reverse flow? Why why'd you get an offset and a reverse flow? And it's it's like I wanted. Obviously, every pit has its advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to offset to be able to use it to its advantages and the reverse flow to use it to its advantages and eliminate the disadvantages of, of, of both styles of pits. That was my philosophy going into it. So, yeah. so far it's working out. Nice. nice. Yeah. So if, if you don't mind, I mean, I know that there's so much work that goes into your day, right? And uh, could you, just a brief, could you take us through like, what, what is your, what, is, what does a day look like? You know, like what, what, what is your, what's your busiest day of the week? Busiest days of the week are Friday and Saturday. Okay. Um, those are our two days we do the most sales. We're open 11 to 8 on those days. We're also open 11 to 8 on Thursdays. Not a lot of, uh, like, small batch or craft barbecue restaurants are open those hours. They're typically open 11 to sell out. Um, but we, being in a small community, um, we wanted to provide some more options for the people in this community uh, for dinner and things like that. So we oh, decided yeah. to be open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday until 8. Uh, but a typical day, um, you know, try to get here at five, get the, get the fires lit by five, um, get the meat on by six. Uh, and we're cooking all the smalls morning of. What I mean by that is like ribs, uh, chicken, uh, pork belly, sausage, uh, things like that. All the small meats, all the large proteins like uh, uh, briskets, pork shoulders, beef ribs. Those are cooked the day before, held in the warmer overnight. Um, so... We're getting the smalls on, then we're getting our large proteins on for the next day. Um, by 7 o'clock, we're typically everything that needs to be on the pit is on the pit and cruising. Um, around that time, the rest of the staff starts showing up and, and we're lining them out as far as like sausage prep and what other prep, you know, butchering or breaking down chickens, making barbecue sauce, making brines, checking our levels, our pars on our rubs and stuff like that. Um, Stay pretty busy till lunchtime, and right around 11, uh, 11.30, um, we start getting pretty busy around that time. So helping out on the uh, helping out on the window, helping out on the line, bouncing back and forth. Uh, also, got to go home and let the dog out <laughs> around that time. So we're bouncing, right. you know, all everything, all these things going on. 
so I end my day between three and four o'clock every day. You know, I try not to spend more than 10, 11 hours here um, early in the week, but around Friday and Saturday, it's more looking like 12 hour days. Uh, um, but you also have to, you can't give so much every day that you know, you're gonna get burned out. That's right. So yeah. you have to like, and the way to the way to prevent that is delegating responsibilities, and spending time training and, and teaching your staff. That way, when you walk away, you can be like, all right, things are taken care of. Um, advice to anybody opening up a restaurant is spend as much time as you can teaching other people what you do, um, and if you have to be there the first year, 12, 15 hours a day every day to make sure that's fun, to make sure that's taken care of, then that's time well invested. Because um, that next year, you're going to be able to go do events and step away and, and, and do other things. Right, right. So, so do you have, so let's, let's say like the day before, right? So like today, today you're putting on food. Well, let's say yesterday you're putting on your large meats, your briskets and such, um, and you're cooking those. Those are those are 10 hour cooks, 12 hour cooks or whatever. Yep. And, and you're cooking to, to a doneness, right? You, right. You have a feel for it to whatever else. And then at, at that point, are you, are you, uh, once you leave it at, at, at say four o'clock in the afternoon or so, you have people coming in to help, you know, they're, they're going to wrap and butcher before, are you wrapping a butcher before that? Are you, are you pulling things so, off and, and resting them and as far as the pits go it's being my wife on the pits okay um, we are, we're training a few other people um, to, to get more involved on that um, but yeah we'll sort of we'll sort of pass the baton um, if there's still things on the pits when I'm leaving and that's you know that's that's a lot of communication involved say hey you know we come out to the pit room have a meeting this is where this is at this is where this is at this is where the fire is at and sort of pass that baton if, if it needs needs to be um, and you know with with you know i'll go ahead and tell everybody right now my wife's gonna have a baby in august and so with her me and her being the only her and i being the only people on the pits everybody in this restaurant's fixing to get like a crash course crash and barbecue, course barbecue. and it. learn how to and learn how to cook barbecue at a top 50 level um so you know it's we're, we want to pass on as much knowledge as we can have our staff as 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 capable as possible uh you know for anything that that comes you know. nice that's awesome. Nice. Uh, no, I, congratulations. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you so Definitely. much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is it the first? No, it's number three. Okay, okay. number three. Wow. Nice. Number three. Yeah, three girls. So I have two daughters right now, six and eight, Marley and Ellie. And then uh, we have another girl on the way in August. Very cool, man. Yeah, very awesome. cool. You mentioned that your wife has uh, some culinary training. How much input did she have on the menu? I, don't, I haven't really got to look over what you guys have on there yet. So we both have 100% input on the menu on every item, whether it's barbecue, sides, or dessert. We bounce everything off of each other. Um, so from top to bottom, we, we're both hands-on on every recipe, every dish, every item, you know, because... Even if it's even if it's 100% barbecue, and she shouldn't have any, or she doesn't need to have any responsibilities on that, I'm still taking that to her and bouncing it off of her and saying, "Hey, what do you think? Does it need more salt? Is it too sweet? Does it need more spice? What like does it need more pepper?" Uh, and so, and she's the same with her with her stuff, with her desserts or her sides or her dishes. She brings it to me. Hey, what do you think? I was like, mm, and I'll give her my feedback. Um, that's another dynamic that you know we had to conquer was being able to be honest with with each other um, in a in a work environment, um, and also uh, still have a, a husband and wife you know bond right. 
right and come you know that that relationship so right um there's times that she has to tell me very directly um that i'm doing something wrong and i have to and what i need to do to correct it and there's and i have to do that and there's times i have to do that with her and you know that's uh like i I think it comes natural to us because we've been together for so long uh but i can see how that could be challenging uh with you know and just in general so that could be challenging. Yeah, there's a lot of wives out there that have never been wrong before, so. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> They're never wrong. That's yeah. what it is. Luckily, she doesn't yeah. listen to podcasts, so we're I'm good. Right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. You can say whatever you want to say, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I tell her what to do all the time. Let's change the subject, and we're going to move along, move yeah. past. Uh, it was nice knowing you guys. Yeah. Right. Let, right. let me ask you this. What, uh, what What's your choice of wood? Uh, we use uh, I, we use post oak. Um, that's what everybody's going to tell you. Or, like, 90% of the people are going to tell you they use post oak. Um, I would just say, just to be safe, it's just oak. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, red there. oak or a white oak or. Yeah, we I've seen some stuff that's kind of mixed in there that looks like red and some looks like white and, and live and things like that. And so, uh, but post oak is like I would say it's ninety percent post oak and there may be a couple of other different types of oak thrown in there. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and then and then we're getting the meat market open soon and we'll be making a bunch of our own bacon and cold smoked cheeses and stuff. For that side of the for, for that side of the concept, and with that, I'll be using uh, uh, pecan shells uh, soaked in water to kind of throw in to you know when I need it to impart um, some flavor on certain oh, yeah. types of items yeah. that that we want. That that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know, man. I mean, I know it, it's a lot of hard work uh, to seem this put together, but man, y'all look really put together here it's yeah. a it's a beautiful place y'all have here uh i know it's a lot of hard work that goes into it they, they did start off this size and this building and and this whatever have you added added to this thing did you so did what you see now is basically what was here um this building these three doors these three glass sections right here were were warehouse doors that had the big door that rolled up and they're actually still inside we roll them down every night um, this was an ice factory that my, my folks owned, so we had uh, a big ice hopper in the back and ice machines, and we would bag 20, 50-pound bags of ice, 20-pound, 50-pound bags of ice, palletize it, store it in the freezer, and then distribute it to you know the merchandisers at local gas stations and, and yep. stuff like that. Um, so they ran that for a few years um, out of here, um, sold that business, and they put the uh, but the building stayed and they put that they put the building up for sale and it was on the market for a little over a year and um, they actually had a couple of offers that were like very close to signing um, right around the same time that we decided to, to open this place up and it was one of those things it was like all right we have this property on the loop uh, three or four loop right here in Crockett um, we have a very good offer on it do we sell it or do we take the risk in the middle of COVID and put all our chips in on our uh, son and daughter-in-law and open balls, a restaurant. Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking balls. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, you know, here we are. Um, but, you know, like I said, we, we, we had, Kathy and I had, had approached our folks with several opportunities, you know, whether it be a, a concept that we had a, a potential chance of opening in a food hall, we just needed some backers, um, some some other ideas that fell through and it was always like we were always and it just was never the right time either we didn't have the right the, the amount of experience we didn't have it wasn't the right situation that we were trying to get involved with um, our business plan wasn't right 
whatever it was, it never, it, like, it was always like, well, let's just wait, let's just wait. And then whenever this kind of, the stars aligned, I guess, everybody sort of, you know, came together and was like, all right, yeah, this is, this is the right time to do it. Um, and we had to, you know, we had to move from Houston to, to Crockett, which is a big, that's a pretty big life oh, changing yeah. oh, move, yeah. oh, you yeah. know. Um, and so we did that and, and we just went all in with it. <laughs> Very freaking cool, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, and that's, it's such a big risk, right? And, and, and not knowing, like, are we doing all this for nothing? Is this going to work? Is right. this going to, and like, here's the deal. Like, we didn't know, even know if we could be open because it was in the middle of COVID. Like, we didn't even right. know if people could come inside and sit down and eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, right. It's crazy. I'm not gonna lie to you. Most people would not do what you did. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's I like yeah. I like how you're like waiting for the right time and everything right. to align. You're like middle of COVID. Yeah, that, let's now go. let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> let's let's make the worst possible the trigger. thing. Yeah. We'll do it then. But yeah. it's yeah. those times, you know, it's those times when, you know, like I'm not huge in the stock market stock market or anything, but you buy low and sell high, right? And it was like it was like that seemed like the right time when everybody was like backing out and shutting down and it's like all right now is the time to strike when the iron get in like like we felt like the iron was hot Hmm. it was like you know we felt like the market was primed for us to kind of get in and and, and do our own thing and who's to know like people are like well how's the how's the pandemic affected you i don't know we opened right in the middle of the pandemic like we have no data before that to say to say whether we would be, but I'm, I, I, I would assume we would be better. But, right. I would know. say if you're doing good during the COVID <laughs> pandemic, it <laughs> right. should be uphill from here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's like that's 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 obvious logic, but we have nothing to compare it off of. You know, yeah. we don't know. Well, my uh, my uncle Charles McFadden lived here for a long time, and uh, whenever we'd come up to visit him, I just remember there not really being anywhere to eat. So yeah. have the people here just been like really welcoming, like like as soon as you opened? Yep. Yeah. Starving yep. for something like this. Yep. And we've yeah. had, uh, you know, we've had people. We have people that eat here three or four times a week. Yeah. Um, to, you know, sometimes twice a day, lunch and dinner. Um, and you know, we get it all the time. People that, you know, either whether it's people that have lived here their whole life or people that only come in once a year to go hunting on their deer lease, they're like, we've never had anything like this. Especially the people that come in that, you know, out-of-towners that come in to hunt. They're, you know, we've never, we didn't expect this to be here. This wasn't here last year when we came in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we've had great support. Um, we've opened some people's eyes to some new things uh, as far as, like, you know, what we're willing to experiment with. Um, we've brought a couple of different styles of curry to Crockett, which I don't think anybody has ever, you know, expected to have in Crockett. Right. Was yeah. you know, you introduce that word curry and like, no, no, I'm out. Yeah, nope. like, they're like, hey, try this right here. You don't tell them. There's, oh, this is amazing. I like this. You're like, that, that, that's curry. So, we, you know, and like we did a Cuban, we did a Cuban sandwich uh, a few days ago. And uh, we did it with brisket. We called it a Texas Cuban, but it had brisket, uh, smoked ham, pickles, Swiss cheese, mustard on a on a baguette, and pressed it real nice, toasted it real nice, pressed it down on a flat top. But as soon as we posted that we were having a Cuban, there was like 20 people here waiting for Cuban sandwiches nice. and like people calling in because like when are you going to get a Cuban in Crockett? Like who's like, right, right, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> You know, there's things like that. We did a tonkatsu. We did our pork chop, breaded it in panko breadcrumbs, made a, a really nice uh, Japanese curry, um, did a tonkatsu-style pork chop with the curry on top. We have a coconut curry, cre- uh, cream corn. That's one of our staple sides that is probably my favorite side on the menu. It's, it's very good. Um, 
So yeah, just being able to open people's eyes, and they appreciate that, you know, and 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 maybe not even open their eyes, but just give people an opportunity to try things that they haven't had the opportunity to try. It's is 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 pretty neat. Has there been anything you guys put on the menu that didn't? didn't hit well with the locals uh yeah one of my favorite things is uh that we do is boudin um mm. we do a smoked brisket boudin or a beef rib boudin depending on if we have anything in those two categories left over um it's really easy to chop that stuff up and throw it, throw it in a boudin um i think our i think our boudin i had one of my one of my old chefs from a restaurant i worked at called boudreaux's cajun kitchen um, back in 2013 um, i had a chef that was from louisiana uh, chef chris and uh uh, chefy hooked me up with a a killer boudin recipe and uh, we kind of tweaked it made it our own and uh i think it's the best boudin i've ever had it's it's very good my wife doesn't even like boudin and she's in love with it Hmm. and um so we have a few regulars that buy, that buy the boudin, and um, the rest of nobody else will will touch it. They won't try it. Or really? They don't want to. They won't try it. Yeah. Uh, that's a, every time I, we cook, that's boudin. like something that gets thrown down. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. everything. So last time yeah. we made it, um, not not the last, the time before last we made it, I ended up throwing away like thirty pounds. Oh my god! Slice looks. it up Dude. and just hand it out. Put toothpicks and just slice it and just like yeah. hand it out for free. Like, uh, you know what I mean? We. I think you're right. Palette. Yeah, going, you know, it's a it's I think it's the liver because we like people are like, what's in it? It's like, all right, it's pork shoulder, you know, bell pepper, onion, yada, 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 chicken liver, like just say it has chicken in it. Just say chicken. 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 It's good. I I hate it if a boudin doesn't have liver in it. It's got to have liver. And like you can use pork liver. It's just we we just we just use chicken liver and Mm -hmm. um, because that's what I that's what I traditionally was kind of trained at the restaurant I worked at Boudreaux's. They used uh, chicken liver for their dirty chicken liver and yeah. uh, chicken was it gizzards? Chicken gizzards for the dirty rice and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So that was kind of what I was familiar with. Nice so time. if you if you have one, um, I mean it's not like I mean, obviously we're talking about the boudin and how much you love or whatever else, but one one meat right and you had to turn it in. And you're like this is the best thing I make right here. What what what, what is it for you? Uh, that's an easy answer. The pork chop. The pork chop. The pork chop. Okay. It's by far, hands down, um, the best thing that we do, and the best pork chop I've ever had. Um, okay. I, I love I'll your stand, answer. I'll stand behind that. <laughs> Just nice. because, like, everybody wants like people listening right now, and, and, and they're going to come back and go. Uh, he was going to say brisket. Right, yeah. they're all. Expecting he was going to say something yeah. to, to that line, and you could be like, no, the pork chop. Yeah. It's all done. Expand upon that even yeah. further. My my opinion on the best cut of beef for barbecue. There, I'll give you two. Um, the first one's beef rib. I think the the beef rib, uh, the the three plate, the plate rib, uh, three bone plate rib is the best cut of meat. Uh, it's like it was made for barbecue. It's like God made it for barbecue. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's brisket on a. It's like the best part of a brisket on a stick. Mm. Correct. But even but taken up a notch. So yeah. Uh, like a Louis Mueller uh, beef rib is you can put that next to a like a plate of like a chef's tasting from Rene Redzepi at Noma in Denmark and I would be like they're like the same they're both right dark. right um, the second is pork belly uh, pork belly smoked like brisket just salt and pepper and 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 smoked to like 200 degrees internal temp is is great uh, so yeah just a, the best thing that we do is the pork chop but the best like the best thing for barbecue or for smoking or that low and slow, I would say is is beef rib, plate rib. 
Yeah. yeah. It's so it's it's so rich, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's fatty, it's meaty. Uh, when it's cooked properly, it just uh, it just it it just falls apart, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, every bite is so effortless to take off. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of people will, like I think they have never had like they call them, like dino ribs or they call them like the big beef ribs, or whatever else. Short ribs. Yeah, if if you've never had like, a lot of people go like I don't eat beef ribs, I eat these, and then all of a sudden they see one they're like, why well, didn't know it looked like that? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. it could taste like that. You know, ours is forty bucks. Forty bucks for yeah. a rib, and people were yeah. like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And it's like they're yeah. like one rib, forty bucks. We're like, "Yeah, it's you know two pounds of meat," um, you know. So, yeah. not yeah, to mention yeah. like the cost of these. Like, I mean, just your cost alone is like super expensive. Yeah, it's yeah. double the cost of brisket. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that's the only reason yeah. I don't eat. I love beef ribs. The only yeah. reason I don't eat them all the time is just so damn expensive. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I've seen I, I've seen a lot of restaurants are just like contemplating just not 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 putting it on the menu because they're just like it just it's a lot of work and a lot of people give us grief over how much it costs and just like i'm just not going to put it on the menu and that was one of the questions i was going to ask you is like uh in these 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 times right now that we're going through this post covid when we're still going through covid but post covid uh but all the 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 Y'all don't want to talk meat. about COVID real quick, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. All the all the meat prices and the the shortages and everything that, that everybody is seeing all across the United States and, and Texas included, uh, uh, not having chicken wings. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not. I'm confused because I'm like, they they, they just stop like. Do we not have any more chickens or why? Why are we the chickens like, got COVID? What yeah. right? Did chickens <laughs> die off or? Are we just asking for too much and nobody can keep up with the demand? This is but what I think. Okay, I think ever since the um, the, the 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 companies like um, International Paper got involved and these papers wood prices went through the through the roof, and everybody was like, "Nah, you know what? You're not the only one cashing in right now, right?" These houses went up like sixty percent. Let, let me tell you what this is. This is like, oh, you're cashing in? Oh, you know what? I'm gonna raise you this price of beef. We're gonna triple it. Now we're gonna cash in. You know, uh, cars. Uh, yeah, twenty thousand over sticker. If you want it, here it is. Right. We have a chip shortage. Like everything is out there. Like, yeah. like and I'm not even sure if there's really shortages. I just think people just want to make more money right now. I think there's. I think there's been <laughs> bottlenecks in oh, yeah. certain aspects mm-hmm. of our flow of our flow. And you know, I I've heard. I can't remember the exact stat. I don't. I don't remember if it was a million head or a million pounds, but there was a large amount of beef that just went to waste this year because it couldn't even go to slaughter. That's and then right. um, because there either wasn't enough workers mm-hmm. or the, the restrictions during, during the pandemic um, really choked the production on a lot, on a lot of things. Um, as far as chicken wings, you know, there's, there wasn't a shortage of chickens. Obviously there's a shortage of people to, to produce the, Working. to break them down to, 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 to do that. Um, you know, and you have like one person gets sick in a plant. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of like thinking this through. Once one person gets sick in a plant, they have the the obligation to kind of shut down the plant and make sure everybody's all right. And, right. You know, you do that in 20 plants across you know the United States, and the next thing you know, there's a chicken wing shortage. It doesn't you know? take much. Right. right. It doesn't take much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, so, that has to be challenging for a restaurant trying to trying to provide the, the the items that they provide well, on a normally day, daily it's, basis. It's providing a price, right? right. So right. You, you have a price staple, and then every day you're having to go in and adjust your price because right. you're like, I'm sorry, but we, you know, it, it was three ninety nine a pound, but now it's four 
four four twenty five a pound. We did three price changes this year. Yeah, all in our first year, and they all went up. And you know, to be completely honest with you, we're at twenty eight dollars a pound right now, and we did that last price change up from I think it was either twenty four or twenty six um, a few months ago. And when I ran the numbers on it, we needed to be at thirty two dollars a pound to be you know making our margins where you know you know where we can pay our staff we pay our bills we can you know and have a successful business um we we should be at 32 dollars a pound but there's no way there's no way i can justify myself buying brisket at 32 dollars a pound and there's no way i can expect my consumers to buy brisket at 32 dollars a pound so Mm -hmm. we did 28 dollars a pound yeah um and we're just trying to break even on you know on brisket and brisket should be the most expensive product yeah, yeah. as far as like food you know production wise in the restaurant industry it should be the most it should be expensive as you know foie gras or oh yeah or you know or kobe beef or, or whatever or whatever it is because you buy you know you're buying wood uh, that's usually delivered and stacked for you so that there comes a cost in that um you're setting it on fire all right, so you're just burning, you know, four hundred dollars a week, and which is six hundred dollars a week in wood. Yep. Um, each brisket you get, you trim off two or three pounds of meat. So at like, you know, if you trim thirty briskets in a week, at three, you know, at three pounds a piece, or 30, let's say thirty-three briskets at three pounds a piece of trim, you got a hundred pounds of trim at the end of that week at twenty-eight dollars a pound. That's you know twenty hundred bucks in potential revenue that you have to find something that's to right. do with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. You know, you turn that into sausage, you turn it into, into burgers. Um, you're doing everything you can. Your pepper is $9 a pound. Um, the price of pepper is really expensive right now. Um, so you're doing everything you can just to try to break even on brisket right now. And the price uh, doesn't, you know, we're not looking this. We don't expect to see a price break on brisket until like 20, like late 2023. After, after July 4th and, you know, all that stuff. Um, because you have seasonal demands with brisket, Labor Day, Memorial Day, July 4th, um, uh, that affect the market. And um, so we're competing with all that too. We're competing with, you know, retailers, you know, Kroger's and HEB. They're buying, you know, tens of thousands of brisket, you know, every week. And they, you know, so they're, they're chewing up a big part of the market. And, um, yeah, brisket's hard to, hard to make money on. Yeah. Uh, Are you sourcing from a local rancher? We source from Double R Ranch. Uh, they're affiliated with Snake River Farms, uh, so I, I call them the sister ranch to Snake River Farms. They basically run their their, their Black Angus program over there. Yep. Um, they're uh, considered upper choice, upper third or upper two thirds choice, uh, but it's a very good product. I would say Double R Ranch is the most consistent brisket out of the box. From packaging to trimming, um, and then the actually consistency of the marbling and all that, uh, Double R Ranch is, is probably my favorite. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, we have one by little ranch by us, and it's a it's a like a they have wagyu right? It's wagyu mm-hmm. cattle that they're running out there. But I think uh, is it RC RC Ranch? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're out, pretty out new, and they have a storefront over there on Airline, right? At the I think new. so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, and they they've gotten some pretty, I mean, of course. Like a lot of times when we're using something like that, we're using it for like a competition or whatever else. We're not we're not really trying to we don't have a restaurant or anything else. And obviously it's you know, you look at Killens, you know, Killens I think they were serving prime prime brisket out of their out of their thing for a long time and that's that is tough. 
you know, especially at, at the price point you're trying to buy it at and, and whatever else. But um, I did, I did hear that uh, that um, the barbecue restaurant for them uh, is one of their, I guess their uh, most profitable restaurants they have. Really? Yeah. So they get their steakhouse and, and whatever else. So gotcha. Uh, and 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 I know well, I don't know where their price points are, and I've only ate probably. I live in Pearland. I've only eaten there a couple of times, maybe maybe yeah. once. Um, so what well, barbecue? With, go ahead. I'm sorry. Know, I would say with, with that being said, with 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 y'all, I mean, you're you're in a small community, uh, and and you're really trying to, to get the most bang out of your buck for your barbecue and everything else. Uh, is 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 it a grind for you every single day? Is it something you look at? You look at the market every day, or you look at your pricing every day, and like, or you're like, you know what? It is what it is. Um, so there's two sides of that story. Um, you don't want to be spinning your wheels. You, know, you want to be making progress you yeah. know, every week, um, every month, every year. You want to you know, be improving your, your business model. Um, but also at the same time in this business, you kind of have to just, you know, there's some net, some, some what, net lead loss items that you're just going to have to kind of push out. And it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're constantly comparing prices, looking at, at – different distributors looking at the market trying to figure out what's going to give us the best uh the best profit margin to keep this business open um we're not and i don't want to make it sound like we're doing this to get rich because you know i think barbecue uh is the last business or the last restaurant you would open to get rich unless you're on the scale of somebody like ronnie killen where barbecue can become extremely profitable when you get into a large scale operation um where you're cooking you know thousands and thousands of pounds a week and right. get, and getting that out because um, you can charge a premium for it and uh and the more you do the less expensive it becomes to to produce that amount of barbecue right um, right so i know like ronnie has a uh, i don't know if he still does but i'm pretty sure he does he has a contract with nrg and he produces all the barbecue at the Texas games and things like that. So he like does. He, yeah. They've got a yeah, place I've, I've actually eaten it there. They do. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. when you get on that sort of scale and you're doing catering and things like that, that's where the profit margins, like, you know, really jump up um, the more you can do. Right. And I guess that's a pretty much the same with any, you know, with any operation. The more you can scale uh, and push out, uh, the, the, the less it's going to cost you to do that. Right. Is there so you're repurposing, you know? So you you know, you cook, you don't sell everything that you cook, and, and the, you know, let's say you don't do it today, right? Yeah. Yet left over something, how are you repurposing that for tomorrow? Some things obviously probably like, yeah. All right, I can't repurpose this. This is not going to be good for any dish. I'm not going to serve a bad dish. Right. It's got to go. But other things, what's like, what's one big thing you try to repurpose all the time? Our biggest thing is brisket. Brisket. Uh, yeah. So we do a brisket taco and a brisket quesadilla. So every day, whatever scrap in pieces are left uh, are left over with our brisket, uh, we wrap those up, label them, put the date on them, and then uh, just keep track of it. And then the next day, all that stuff will get chopped down, and we put it into. We'll we'll trim out. We'll separate the point and the flat, and then trim out that uh, that fat in between. Yep. Chop all that meat up. Uh, put some stock in there, a bunch of spices, uh, chili powder, cumin, salt, pepper, and then we'll braise that whole brisket thing down, cover it up in foil and pan and braise that down. And that gives us our taco meat um, for our brisket tacos uh, and things like that. Uh, so that's one way we use, uh, we, we re 
reuse our brisket. Um, also, we'll chop up our brisket into you know chunks and put it in our boudin uh, for brisket boudin. Um, everything else we try to cook to the amount that we're going to sell out. Um, so whether it's you know chicken or ribs, we try you know if, if we think we're only going to sell six racks of ribs a day, then I'll cook five. You know just to try to make sure that we're, we're going right. to sell out right. of that stuff. Um, yeah. And then y'all are open every single day, or y'all? Hopefully, like I want to get there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right now we're we're Tuesday through Saturday. We're closed on Sunday and Monday. And so with the meat market, we'll talk about that. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But with the meat market opening up, we feel like that's going to be up. That's going to come out of the gate, open up six days a week. Yeah. Uh, just be closed on Sunday, or maybe Monday. Um, but the goal is to get to a point where we're open seven days a week. Uh, and I would like to be open the same time, you know, the same hours every day. It gets kind of hard to tell people, uh, you know, what are your hours? And you have a different set of hours, you know, for every day of the week. Right. You know, right. It'd be nice to say we're open Tuesday. We're open seven days a week, 11 to 7. And just like, that's it. Yeah. And that's easy to remember. But when you tell people we're open 11 to 3 on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're open 11 to 8 on uh, Thursday through through Saturday, and we're closed Sunday and Monday, uh, that kind of people are like, by the time you get to the end of that spiel, they're like, what? Like, what did you what, say? What, what are you open? <laughs> right. yeah, right. Are you open or not open? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. showed up, and you weren't open, and yeah, I'm never yeah. coming back again. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. One star. One star. <laughs> Horrible. It, you know, it's funny how people, uh, and I look at these Yelp reviews and whatever else, and it's like, some people are so brutal. And you're like, first of all, you right. came when we were closing. Right. You know, they don't care. You know, no. it's like they're like uh, they were closing. They wouldn't even let me in. I'm like, right. yeah, because yeah. we're closing. I'm sorry, you should have got here earlier. I, I ordered matter. my meal and my drink spilled in my car. Yeah, doesn't matter. Place. One star. And you're like, this is yeah. ridiculous. Right. Or the food was amazing, but the parking sucked. One star. Like, right. One well, star. You're like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. okay, well, so. We, we always ask on the podcast, we ask all the guests, uh, and we, we do a little spot on the, the podcast where we talk about barbecue fails. Was that that was one of them right there. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we talk about barbecue fails. Yeah. Uh, anything comes to mind. It could be restaurant related. It could be just at home or catering, just like. Okay. I prefer restaurant fails. That's right now. That's where we're at. We need the We have a lot of we have a lot of backyard and competition type fails where maybe you just leave meat on the pit and you come back the next day and you're like, okay, it's done. Well, I like that sort of stuff happens to me all the time. Uh, Just kind of like you know, you know, stupid, silly mistakes. I will say one time, um, a story I can tell y'all that's probably the most memorable in our first year was. I was out. It was right in the middle of lunch, probably 11:30. I was out in the pit room cooking, and uh, uh, Kathy comes out to the pit room. She's like, "There's a snake in the dining room." And I'm like, "What?" She's like, "There's a snake hanging from the ceiling in the dining room." <laughs> oh, <laughs> snakes on a plane over here. Yeah, okay. and uh, and I'll show y'all when we go inside. I'll show y'all where it was at. Um, so I was like, "Okay." So I walked inside. I walk inside the back door. Come out in the dining room, and there's like a dining room full of people with their cell phones out just like videotaping this yeah. snake literally dangling right the tail <laughs> this dangling, is not good uh from the ceiling <laughs> so there's a couple of guys here that uh helped us like you know work on the building and everything and they had ladders on their truck 
So they went and got their ladders. We bring a 30-foot ladder up to the ceiling. My stepdad climbs up there, grabs a snake by the tail, and I'm holding the ladder at the bottom. So he grabs it, and we have spray foam insulation all in the entire building. Rips it out of the, the insulation, out of the ceiling, and just throws it on the ground. There's like 50 people videotaping. Heads up! Every, yeah, right? And like everybody is like running and screaming. You and could like, have hold, held on to that thing. It lands at my feet, and I just put my head, or I just put my foot on its head, and uh, they grab it. Put it in a trash can, and we uh, we re- we didn't kill it. We relocated it. Uh, but that was I wouldn't necessarily classify that as a fail, but that was probably yeah. one of the most memorable uh, ex- pretty good experiments. That I was half had. expecting you to say you had snake sausage the next day or something. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where I got these boots. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> definitely looking on YouTube. That's got to be on there. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Somebody has put that up. I'm like, this is cool until like we have like you know Channel Five News out here, you know, doing a report on it. Right. Yeah. Snake murderers. <laughs> right. Uh, Today at a local restaurant, a snake terrorizes the entire dining room. Right. Oh, that's cool. But no, it was, uh, everybody was a good sport about it. And, you, and you, like, we've told that story to a couple people, and they're like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't here because I would never come back. But it was right after that freeze in February. So we think that they were just looking for, like, somewhere yeah. to get out. Yeah. Like, when we had that snowstorm, we think they were just looking for somebody, somewhere to get. And they got somewhere in the ceiling. And, I'll show y'all when we go in. There's a big hole in the in the insulation in the ceiling where he ripped it out and threw it on the <laughs> threw it on the floor. Yeah, oh, that's good. awesome. That's good. So you guys are opening like a little meat shop or butcher shop. You're saying? Yep. So uh, it's pretty much built out right now. We have the coolers in there. We have the butcher room built out. Um, uh, we're just working out the logistics as far as getting on on how our uh, uh, our flow of beef is going to go. Uh, the goal is by the end of this year is to take our beef, our steers off of our ranch and crock it, take them to processing, get them slaughtered, and then bring the, the, the hanging beef for the halves back here and butcher them and, and for a retail format. That's the goal uh, by the end of the year. So while that's getting set up, uh, we're reaching out to other local farms and across Texas, uh, sourcing their beef and going to be bringing it in, bringing it in and, and butchering it, and we'll have... Uh, uh, basically, all the you know all the steaks and everything in our in our in our merchandisers up there. Uh, we'll be making our own uh, summer sausage, bologna, uh, cold smoking cheeses, and nuts and things like that, and, and basically have our own little version of a, a, a like a, a craft butcher shop, basically. Mm-hmm. So it'll be Mimsy's Meat Market and Spice Company. We'll have all of our uh, our spices, rubs, seasonings, uh, sauces, all that stuff will be in retail format um, up there. Now is that going to be is it going to be available locally only, or can people order it and get shipped to them? So, there's two avenues we're looking at right now, and it's based all on like availability and how fast we can get a spot at the slaughterhouse. But uh, if uh, USDA can be shipped nationwide as far as steaks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or raw meat, um, I would love that to be the the first option. Um, if we can't get a, a, a slot at a USDA processing plant, we'll have to go to the Texas stamp. And Texas stamped is interest state only, um, so we'll uh, uh, until we can get the USDA, we'll we'll be only uh, able to ship with inside uh, the Texas with the beef and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the spices and the sauces and everything else like that, we'll be shipping out everywhere. I think I think we'll be your first customers. Right. If you want to just swing by the house, we'll yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I actually have some samples for y'all guys for you guys to take with you. So okay. Oh, cool. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll have our uh, brisket rub, our rib rub, uh, our chip and steak seasoning. It's actually the same 
it's one it's a we make our own potato chips and then kathy was like why don't you try that seasoning on the steaks i think it'd be really good try it on the steaks and it's fucking killer uh we have our bean seasoning our sausage mix um our jerk chicken um all of that will be uh, packaged in retail format so uh, we have our uh our rib syrup uh sweet chili garlic sauce sweet and sassy sauce which is like a like a honey mustard and our barbecue sauce and when were you expecting that to go live uh hopefully hopefully by the end of the march it'll, it'll be live uh i just received we should be receiving our barbecue sauce sample today in the mail um from our from our manufacturer um i've gotten a couple of other samples back um so hopefully by the end of the march we'll be ready to go with that nice all right that's awesome Hey, Wade, uh, I definitely appreciate you giving us the opportunity to come out here and just talk a little barbecue with you. Uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck, uh, and we're, 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 we're excited to try a little bit of this barbecue coming up here in a little bit. Uh, we'll, we usually just open it up to the guests to, to let everybody know where they can get a hold of you, where you guys are located, and uh, uh, we'll go from there. Yep, so the address is 1979 South Fifth Street, uh, Crockett, Texas. Um, go ahead and give you the hours. We're Tuesday and Wednesday, 11 to 3. Uh, Thursday through Saturday, 11 to 8. Close Sunday and Monday. Um, the phone number is 936-544-7000. We're pretty active on TikTok, Mimsy's Craft Barbecue, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. So please, please give us a follow on that. Uh, we have some events coming up. Uh, March 19th, uh, we'll be out at uh, the Indian Springs Ranch for the Come and Smoke It event. Uh, May 7th will be at Red Dirt Festival in Tyler, Texas. Uh, so if you can get some, get an opportunity to get some tickets to that stuff, come see us and, and see what we got going on. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, everybody go over there and slide out and check them out. Awesome. I mean, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Guys, thank you all so much. It's really an honor to have you all out, and we really appreciate the opportunity to let people know about what we're doing out here. So thank you all so much. Our pleasure. Yeah. Dang it, Bobby. Just grab the brisket. We'd like to give a special thanks to Suckle Buster's Barbecue Rubs and Sauces, Bonner's Fiesta Spices, Coolie Nation Custom Koozies, Cambro Manufacturing, Yeti Coolers, The Smoke Sheep Barbecue Newsletter, and Dow Strong Knives. We definitely appreciate your support.